Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Rate us nicely at five stars. Unlike the Big 12, we get a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) Pete Thamel. If they had camouflage yoga mats, I would think about it. (laughs) They probably do. And SI's Pat Forty. Noted epidemiologist Stabo Sweeney (laughs) and Dan Wetzel in league in, in lockstep. And here's Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. July 4th week coming up. Even here amidst the pandemic, generally kind of one of the better weeks of the summer. So hopefully whatever scaled version you have of your summer going, maybe it's as good as ever. And you're hanging out at the Lake of the Ozarks, getting trashed at the <laughs> the uh, dirty gator or whatever they're yeah. calling it. Yeah. And somehow <laughs> avoiding the, the, the Rona. <laughs> or maybe you're locked inside and your city has now had to ban bars again. I mean, it's really sad when the bars close. I think there's uh, I think there's other metrics that people get upset about me. <laughs> <laughs> that hits home. <laughs> when right? the taps are shut down, yeah. a, little, a little tear runs down my cheek. I feel bad, <laughs> even though, yeah, I wasn't going to go to a bar in Miami or wherever these things are. Austin. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Just was well, this more sad when they cl- when they close or reclose? Because the reclose is like the real defeat. Yeah. It's yeah, like right? it's like you've kind of failed. Our leadership sucked. So now we have to like we we gave this back to you. And now we have to take it away again. Yeah. And, you know, as as we all have our favorite bars around the country, we get to travel. We're lucky to travel in this job or we once did. Um, <laughs> you know, we all had, the you know, there's always those bar. Yeah, you always stay at this hotel. There's this bar around the corner or something. Every bar has got its regulars. So I know. Mm-hmm. And that's what every bar has got its own little culture. And I know that even though I am unlikely to attend this bar that is now closed, I know there are people whose lives have been adversely affected. But I'm not sure coronavirus and bars work really well, sadly. Natural conflict there. Just. (laughs) I also think it is, in, in terms of the college football, a reminder that once these campuses open up, everyone is getting coronavirus. And everyone on these football teams and all the other athletes are going to get it. I, I just don't know. I think it would be a, I mean, you got to thread the needle. Maybe 5% of college college students this year will not get it. I mean, I, am I ridiculous to think pretty much how are you avoiding this? 
Like there's a couple I, library I, science majors that are just going to hide out in their room or something. But <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I couldn't put an estimate on it, but I would say that uh, it's going to be very difficult. Just even purely, even t- if you're not going to the campus bars or not going to the house parties and everything, you're still living in a dorm and or an apartment with a bunch of other people who went to the bar. Yeah, right. And yeah, everybody's coming and going from somewhere and it's, it's going to be tough. I know that. I know that I, I certainly one school I know of in particular, man, they are going to be like so vigilant on masks and social distancing and stuff like that. It's not even going to be, it's, it's, you're going back to school, but you're almost going into like a regulated penal system. Uh, as far as what you can't do or where you can go and that sort of thing. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. That's the theory. So you're going to get all that's the, the theory. All the kids, to, they're going to social distance. There'll be nobody getting within six feet of each other on a Friday night in a college town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It I don't all know. sounds good. We hate bringing up the, the possible negatives. It just is what it is. I don't know how. Yeah. I think... You know, I I know it doesn't make big news, but like just this weekend in Detroit, they shut down two different auto factories really? because of a breakout, you know, and it's like they'll clean it and figure. But it's like start, stop, start, stop. And, yeah. you know, these are places that employ seven, ten thousand people, you know, running 24 hours a day or, or at least two shifts and, you know, big operations with huge profit motives behind them. And it's like, yeah, hey, we got to shut down and we got to do this. Come uh, it's just it's just such a such a difficult virus to contain and and uh uh this is where we're at uh, you know um since our last podcast uh Clemson got up to 37 they took the lead in the coronavirus sweepstakes <laughs> is this the new number Fulmer one cup? on the field yes. and in the virus former yeah. cup remember the former Fulmer- cup from every day yeah. should be Saturday <laughs> it's like the new yeah. uh, this is the this is the Fauci cup for yeah, you. the Fauci Cup. There we the go. The Fauci yeah, Cup. Easy. I like it. Yeah, that's good. Very good. The Fulmer good. Cup, for those who didn't know, was uh, every day should be Saturday. The old blog used to keep track of off-field arrests during the off-season <laughs> uh, and would tally it up by who got the most arrests for their uh, for their school. It's named uh, the Fulmer Cup. I have no, just a coincidence, I guess, right? Yeah, no, well, certainly. Sure. Yeah, it didn't have anything. <laughs> Nobody do was doing their civic duty man bucking Nack- <laughs> Knoxville back then. <laughs> I bet uh, Sully's actually had parties to celebrate Fulmer Cup victories when the offseason ends. <laughs> Camp started. We got the cup this year, guys. <laughs> no celebrating this past year in Knoxville. Bryant took home the title. Georgia Southern finished really? second. Nebraska third is the top power five school. The closest thing Tennessee finished in would be the LST <laughs> Jones, the third award for individual <laughs> achievement, where a former Tennessee player finished second. <laughs> what crime what spree took place at Bryant College, or do I even yeah, want to know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I'm going to have to dig into it. All right. I, I, I'm sorry to I, I admit I do host a college uh, co-host a college podcast that I was not aware of the um, situation at Bryant College football. I, I I would have to say Bryant kind of escaped all of us. I, I acknowledge my lack of uh, research on that one, but it's right under my nose, too. Yeah. I, what's going on, Pete? <laughs> yeah, I'm clearly slacking. Yeah, I don't know this. this yeah, we'll see. Well, anyway, individual achievement award. The Fauci <laughs> Cup is going to Clemson right now. They are following my early on plan of just getting the whole team infected and getting herd immunity, which you guys scoffed at. 
but great strategic minds like mine and Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the Toledo Blade column by Dave Briggs, who's a very good columnist? He's uh, over the columnist. weekend about basically talking to several health experts about that idea. And uh, one of them's answer to the Wetzel plan, although it was not termed the Wetzel plan to him, I don't believe, of getting everybody the virus early was F you. Print it. He said, print this F you. So you, you, you do not have company in the uh, health field, Dan, I hate to tell you. Well, you know, I think uh, that was an excellent piece by Dave Briggs, and I encourage anyone to read it, uh, ToledoBlade.com. It really, it really was good. He got, he went through all the stri- strategies, and and also showed how just like <laughs> I don't know, Toledo had a plan, but that's you know, good luck. Uh, I get his fu, but you know, trailblazers, pioneers, uh, those of us that <laughs> challenge us, we're often mocked, shouted down in hatred. <laughs> accused of ignorance yeah okay all all great work is done in defiance of management yeah put a man on that boat and someone said f you someone told the Wright brothers said i'm gonna get up in a little plane i'm gonna fly over there and some jerk in toledo said f you so they went to dayton and did it or something right i don't know where they fly that thing yeah, they, no, they, they had to go to kitty hawk, kitty North hawk. carolina they were from dayton yeah went to yeah so yep. you know um, i don't Cannot be bothered. <laughs> the lion cannot yeah. be bothered by the opinion of his sheep. Oh, there we go. Breaking up. The Adabo. It was an immune disease, Dr. Dan. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dr. Dabo. Yeah. yeah. Noted epidemiologist Dabo Sweeney and Dan Wetzel. And in Kojo. In lockstep. Another yeah. known academically minded guy. Kojo oh, is yeah. involved in this. Oh, yeah. I really think I'm on the side of the the, the big thinkers, the that's big it. brains. A prophet unrecognized in his own land. That's that's what we're looking oh. at here. F you, Toledo Blade. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best uh, names for a newspaper, too. I always love that. It's, it's kind of vicious. It's like, here we're coming <laughs> at you. Second Dude. best in Ohio to the Vindicator. The, yeah, Youngstown oh, Vindicator. Where, where, where's the Vindicator? Youngstown. Youngstown. Uh, Although it, it is right. it is fallen on some hard times um i've read a couple articles about it but yeah it, pure namesake the vindicator is uh as long as we are veering this far off off <laughs> field <laughs> there is a toledo blade boulevard exit near tampa off of i-75 like somebody explain that to me Wait, toledo what? blade boulevard in florida right. i'm 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 googling now all right. First off, we're, we're now deep in research we should have done before the show if we did any show yeah. prep. Do we know what happened to Bryan College yet? From the looks of the individual awards, it looks like Bryan College had a few players uh, with some assault charges in the same situation. So they racked up some points. Like a, fi- like I just a see fight? Like four more Bryan students charged in on-campus assault. So um, it was like a fist fight? Yeah, it looks like a fist fight at a party or something. I just can't believe that there was anyone out there that would step to the Bryant football team in a fight. <laughs> I mean, you know that's the Bryant football team. You don't fight them. They just uh, whooped up on, uh, you know, Colby College yeah. last weekend. <laughs> you know the AD at Bryant was like 10 years ago? Jim oh. O'Brien? Wasn't Jim O'Brien coaching there? No. Um, no, he was at Emerson. Oh. Uh, the AD was Danny Gavitt. Danny Gavitt? Really? Yeah. 
He left the Big East, went there, started his administration career, and then bounced around a few other places. So I actually know who Brian's football coach is, too. He used to be the coach at Columbus High School in Miami, uh, Chris Merritt. So I could I could Bryant you all day if you really wanted me to. Very good school. Yeah, excellent business school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're probably arguing over entrepreneurial plans, (laughs) and fist fight broke out. So here's the deal on Toledo Blade Boulevard. If you want it, all right. Uh, (laughs) Do what? Do we? I know know you do. Um, There was a guy that used to work at the paper who went down to Florida and was working as a real estate developer or whatever, and supposedly sold like a bunch of lots and everything, and. Apparently, somewhere along the way, he got the chance to name a road, and he named it Toledo Blade Boulevard. So, there you have it. <laughs> I wish it was a better story than that. That kind of was. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's all I got. That story if we have very, any new uh, listeners, we're pretty much begging them to never listen again to our podcast. Yeah, that was a very Toledo-esque story. <laughs> it is. Okay. How did we get there? That story exists. So, uh, big news this weekend. Mississippi is changing its flag. Crazy. Things are happening very quickly, of course, in America. But uh, Kylan Hill say, kind of started this or, or, or added a spark, and then he got all of the all the coaches. And once again, I think this is the power of it's going to hurt recruiting. Yeah, no doubt. You know, really, it's the rivals' rankings have toppled a flag. There were people <laughs> in Mississippi who were like, we had 155 years. My ancestors, heritage, not hate. It's going to hurt recruiting. Take it down. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. They got to do this stuff. They want stuff going down. Tell them it's going to hurt recruiting. All the great black football talent in that state all leaves. Then Mississippi and Mississippi State are hurting even more. So, yeah. There you go. That I really do think the NCA like taking away millions of dollars in those regionals was a big factor here or, or threatening. First of all, props to the SEC and Greg Sankey. They started the ball rolling here. The NCAA sort of like waddled its way in um, w- with that. But those were punitive things. SEC didn't really have anything punitive to hold over them. The, the NCAA did, and I think that was a huge factor. And then I just think Kylan Hill embarrassed everybody, right? Like it's going to take a 21-year-old to, uh, to to do this. So good good for him. I mean, just uh, we can go through the roll call again, but if you just think about in the last what month what player-empowered movements and changes they've made, you know, from coast to coast in college football, it's 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 just been significant and uh, – it's it's kind of daunting to like digest it all, considering these are like you know like the honors college at Clemson was named that for you know X number of decades, and that flag flew. I mean that flag's been controversial. They tried to remove in two thousand one, like so you know it, it's uh, and then they like the 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 feckless governor there came up with a we'll do two flags, duh, duh, duh. like yeah, what a great idea, what a good solution. That's separate, really gonna but equal, right? Yeah. we're doing well, separate like, but equal like, flags. Uh, now. There you yeah. go. Oh, God. So, yeah, good good for Kylan Hill. Like, whatever he does, if he goes and becomes a 10-time All-Pro and wins Super Bowls or whatever, he will be remembered for this week longer than anything he accomplishes on the field. And he's a great player. He'll accomplish plenty on the yeah. field. Yeah. yeah player, that's, a, that's, that's an amazing, yeah, amazing switch. Like you said. It is. Amazing switch. So, other – it was interesting this weekend. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski came out with a – it's really just a, a monologue where he just talked about how black lives matter uh, that I thought was uh, interesting. I, you know, 
I think uh, Alabama football had a had a powerful thing. I think we're seeing more and more kind of statements. And again, I think my opinion on those guys they don't owe they don't owe it to stand up and speak out. But I I think I criticize or I think I just wished more of Shashevsky. I think Saban those guys were people I mentioned like. You know, what do you think? You're supposed to be a leader. We hear all about leader, your leadership. You sell books about leadership. You give speeches about leadership. Be a leader. Taking a little bit, but seems like they're 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 leading on it in in ways that I think are really can be, I don't know. I'm, I, I was interested. I wanted to hear what Coach K thought. I thought it was a, you know, uh, I thought it was an interesting thing. What do you think? How do you put it? Because he's obviously a very good at articulating a message, and I thought he did. He went back to uh you know, his West Point days and a prayer from the, the cadet prayer and different things I thought was uh, uh, was pretty interesting. What did you think of that one, uh, Pat? Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. And it showcased his gifts, OK, as a communicator, a forceful communicator when he chooses to use it. And there are times, quite frankly, I've I've wondered where Mike Krzyzewski was on a lot of issues and he chose to step forward here. And yeah, you can, you know, if you're keeping score, okay, maybe John Calipari said something a week before, or somebody else said something two weeks before, you know, whatever. That's fine. I don't, you know, I don't care about order or any of that. All I know is when he did come forward and, and put out that statement, it was really good. It was powerful. It was effective because it was just him, as you said, talking into a camera, talking to us, talking to each of us. And I think... He's someone we needed to hear from on this. He's the, by far the most accomplished coach in college basketball. Uh, he has been around forever. He is a smart, smart man. And uh, this uh, this was a great opportunity, I thought, and he took it. Uh, so I, I really liked it. I thought it was good. And if there's more coaches that want to step up and do it too, more power to you. Let's have, let's hear from you. Yeah, I, I really thought it was uh, it, it was powerful. It was thoughtful. It was certainly certainly well executed. And uh, I mean, the, the the message was was crystal clear. There was nothing muddled. Like you know, the early wave of coach statements uh, addressing um, racial uh, r- racial unrest and uh, obviously uh, social justice issues were a lot of like quotes and hopes and emojis. And uh, now it, it, it certainly took Mike Krzyzewski a while to, to do this, but I, I he certainly did it best. And, um, you know, it, it, it certainly traveled as much as, uh, as as any of these videos. Alabama football did another one this weekend that that got a lot of uh, that got a lot of traction, too. Maybe that was maybe that was late, uh, late last week. But good for Coach Kent. Quite frankly, I, I've, you know, over the years tried to get Coach K to speak out on issues. Now, not nothing near the the gravity and magnitude of this, but just your your nickel dime NCA issues and the push pull of as things happen in college football. And I, he is majority of the time just kind of said no thanks like he's you know there was a little like you know i don't want to upset the apple cart republicans buy sneakers too i'm just gonna say stay here up on my perch and not ruffle feathers um even though he may not he may have had strong feelings about certain things so good for him for for stepping up at a time where uh you know the the college basketball world need to hear his voice so it's interesting he's wearing his usa basketball kind of uh jacket had the flag right on it, Olympics, all that. What's interesting, I think with Coach K, you know, look, we we do not believe in uh, hero worship here, so we're probably a little harder on Coach K than most places. We bag on everyone. We are equal opportunity rip jobs. 
Never more apparent than the time Pat ripped on his own daughter's swim performance. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, literally everyone is in the uh, in the crosshairs here. But I have always really enjoyed the times I have spoken with Mike Krzyzewski on a one-to-one. I mean, this is when you're with a guy like that, you can hate Duke. You can hate him as whatever you want. Like, that's an impressive individual. And when he speaks to you and you're talking, it's very it's it's not your average conversation. And I've always greatly uh, enjoyed that. And that's kind of the thing, like with such great talent. I think we were talking about that with Dabo, like the ability to communicate. This is what you guys do so much better than the rest of us. Use it. And yeah. I, that's what I really I, I liked about that, and I and I hope continues uh, continues on. Um, yeah, but that's the last no, that's... nice thing we're going to say about him for a while because uh, <laughs> we don't want to get soft around here. No, no, absolutely not. But that's the thing too. Like what you're saying, Dan, is right. You come out of his office on the times you get to talk to him, which is not often, and you're like, man, that dude is at such a high level intellectually and just understanding his sphere and everything. Why don't we hear more from him on stuff like this? That's what I said. You know, there are times I would like to have heard more from Mike Krzyzewski throughout his career, uh, you know, but this one, this was good. Well, and I think it goes back to a conversation we had a couple weeks ago about, you know, the social issues. And it was always John Thompson, John Chaney, Nolan Richards, yeah. some of these guys. And there were there are white coaches who would do it. Um, Calipari is one that will speak out on a lot of stuff to to his credit. And, and it doesn't even you have to agree with whatever thing, but this – Guys that will take on certain challenges on on um, issues, and it's it's similar, right? You, I mean, I always love John Cheney. Uh, just love John Cheney. I mean, you listen to talk to John. Same, same situation. It's a different. It's different, but at the same time, you're done talking to John Cheney or Nolan, or, or but you're just like, man, that was that was something, right? Like yeah. that was something. I can right. see why. I would come play for you or I would. And, and you know, or you sit with Dabo Sweeney. He's like, you're so fired up. You're ready to play football. And, I, you know, I'll run out there and take on FSU. Coach, sure, let's, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll get murdered in the first play. But <laughs> so it is really cool. But, you know, you would have liked maybe more of that. Maybe you will. I mean, it's the thing. It's like, what do you got to lose? Your coach, your damn coach. Nothing. Nothing. You got all the money, all the titles, all the gold. You, uh. you, you don't win gold when you're a coach, but you, you know. Let's do it. So, um, and and I thought I just thought it was a it was a very good statement. Um, anyway, so that's where we're at. All right, some breaking basketball news. Two thousand twenty-two, best player in America, maybe the best high school player in the country. Regardless, I think he was named National Gatorade Player of the Year, even though he's a sophomore last year. Amani Bates, Ypsilanti, Michigan. He's already been on the cover SI, considered one of these kind of every five to 10-year player, maybe the best high school player since LeBron. He's really, really good. Now, he committed this week to Michigan State. Michigan State, to their credit, has recruited him like it was 1988, and they could really get him for four years. Like, they have worked Amani Bates when a lot of schools just said, forget it. The NBA is going to change the initial eligibility rules. He's going to be able to go straight out of high school. Or he's going to go up to the G League or whatever. Uh, they've recruited him. He, he he very well could do one year in East Lansing. He likes it. He's not your, I don't know if I would say typical, but he's certainly an interesting top prospect. His father is not looking to ship him out over all over the place. And so 
Maybe he shows up at Michigan State. Thoughts on the Amani Bates commitment? Very interesting. I, let's see if it happens. Obviously, it's going to be super wait and see on that. Uh, I still, my guess would it be, no, it won't. But the, the game changer could be name, image, and likeness with him. And boy, wouldn't that be strange bedfellows. Because Tom Izzo is not your name, image, and likeness champion. Okay? Tom Izzo, very much to his credit and sometimes maybe to his detriment, is coaching like it's still 1988 and wants to run his program that way. And so does he say, yeah, you know, we're going to you know, let this kid be the marketing star? If that's the rules, then, yeah, I think he would. I think he's smart enough to say, yeah, OK, good. do what you got to do, man. Uh, as long as I get to coach him for a year, maybe we win the national championship uh, with Imani Bates. And then he goes on his way. It would be very interesting just to see those two together. If he would coach him fine. He'd be fine on the on the court, I am sure. But the the marriage of the the like poster child for the new rules in the new generation with a coach who wants nothing nothing to do with the new rules in the new generation. So I'm always like the cooler on here and giving away the bad news. Imani Bates isn't going to take a dribble at Michigan State. There's zero chance. This is a genius marketing move by both Bates and Izzo. For one, 10 years from now, Izzo or whoever replaces him, they can put a banner up for Imani Bates. They can, if, if Imani Bates has his own shoe brand by then, and he seems like that caliber player, they can be an Air Bates first team, whatever. Like the affiliation with Imani Bates is worth a ton. And you're, you can theoretically recruit other players to come play with him. But the thought is in that rising junior class right now, there, there are few of those guys who are going to play college basketball who are of that talent. I do not think Imani Bates takes a dribble. I think that he is going to utilize the, the new system. Now, look, we, we, we've been cautioned that the 2022 draft, which he would have been the number one pick in, may not be open to high schoolers because the NBA PA essentially hasn't relented on medicals. The agents basically don't want to give up their leverage before the draft and say, all right, we don't want to give the Kings our medicals, right? So that is really the big roadblock in that 2022 draft. But if not, he's going to go to the G League, make big money, um, and and then eventually go and then eventually go pro. I don't think he takes a dribble for Michigan State, but I think it's smart for Monty Bates because it inserts him back in the news in a summer that he would have dominated the headlines of summer basketball, right? Would have been the Amani Bates show and Amani plays Brawny and all this stuff. We're not going to have any of that because of Corona. So this is a great ruse to get his name out there again. He's on ESPN on uh, Monday. And I really think that it's wise for him to affiliate himself with Michigan State. And it's wise for Michigan State to affiliate themselves with Amani. But it ain't. Michigan State has certainly tried to affiliate themselves with Amani Bates by recruiting him, like I said, very hard and in a traditional manner. I think he shows up. Probably not. He, there's so much money, and and you know I know people say oh, it would take a year. Um, Amani Bates will be offered a seventy-five million dollar shoe deal as he graduates high school, something like that. If that's what you would be projecting toward, sixty, seventy million dollars, some something in line. LeBron got ninety, Zion I think got seventy-five. If you if you can get sixty, seventy million dollars, this is generational multi-generational wealth beyond any, hey, the money's always there. What? Forget it. So really hard to imagine. That said, maybe he's allowed to get that because of name, image, and likeness. He, uh, like I said, he's a little bit 
different of a guy? Maybe, but I would put the chances of him playing for Michigan State at 1%. But good good on both of them. A little interesting that he, he will be a little more beloved by the Michigan State fans. Ypsilanti is bordering Ann Arbor. He lives just a few minutes from Michigan. Some local fans probably not that excited about it. Could also commit to Eastern Michigan. Ypsilanti mm. zone. I mean, that would have been. Um, <laughs> but it Murphy. does answer the one debate that you can always get with LeBron is where would he have actually gone to high school? Because oh, yeah. people say, well, it would have been I mean, Ohio college. State. College. Yeah. College. college. I mean, right, college. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, his old coach, uh, Keith Dambrod, always says he would have gone to Akron with him. Yeah. Which would have been awesome if he had just taken the whole team from St. Mintz and St. Mary's and headed over to the University of Akron for one year. I always thought that would have been one of the great. Oh. Just would have been fun. Just yeah. would have been a fun thing. And it would be like similarly, like imagine if Amani Bates is like, hey, we're all going to go to Eastern Michigan. I'm going to round up the other. Uh. We're do something like that. Just be fun. Fun story. So, uh, but Ohio State literally put a locker, and he's probably yeah. still there in their <laughs> locker room. LeBron James has a locker at the yeah. Ohio State locker room. Yeah. Or this is did, the same I, thing where you, even if you don't get Amani Bates, you get the ancillary connection to Amani Bates that you can use and market. LeBron never yeah. committed there. No. Like, at least Amani Bates committed. Yeah. Like, LeBron is just a Ohio <laughs> right? State fan. Like, everybody else who grows up in Ohio, he likes Ohio State football. Yeah. So, yeah, Kentucky give a claims Ennis Cantor as one of their lottery picks, even though he never played there. <laughs> oh, yes, they do. Trust the me. development. Did he practice? Yeah. I mean, it's more I, than LeBron. I think in Ohio. he went to Keeneland, so it's like the yeah, same thing. Good enough. LeBron never had anything to do with Ohio State. No, I mean that's that's a reach. That's a reach. Um, at least Enos tried, I guess, to play, but yeah, can't really say. Anyway, take what you can get. MSU, big dreams, dream it up, but uh, no. Okay, I mean, you're talking <laughs> that kind of money. It ain't just like, well, he could make a million bucks. No, he can make money that. His grandchildren will still be living off of uh, any at, at age 18. So, all right. This is maybe the biggest news of the week. And I don't know if this is <laughs> bad luck for these schools or the canary in the coal mine. But Under Armour is b- trying to terminate its $280 million contract with UCLA. And potentially we're hearing another $86 million one with Cal Berkeley. Nike lost a ton of money in the last quarter and is laying people off. I don't know where UCLA goes. UCLA already has financial problems. They're never going to just load up the Rose Bowl with 100,000 fans every weekend unless they get really good. Like, really good. And that's probably I believe not in Chip. Happen. I believe in Chip. Yeah, Chip's <laughs> got to keep saying it. I know. I know. Well, if if you watch the uh, the show on Netflix, All American, which I have, Chip makes an appearance. He signs the, oh. one of the star players, and so maybe the um, kid uh, quarterback from Crenshaw High. So I think maybe that'll turn it around. Um, <laughs> the, that was pretty funny. Chip Chip as an actor is uh, he's a good football coach. I'll yeah. say, <laughs> and and he, and, he, and he was playing Chip Kelly. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't even play himself well. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Chip Kelly. I'm like, why is he so awkward playing himself? And, it's, <laughs> and his, whole, think, his whole yeah. role, his whole cameo was to try to tell the kid, do you want to come to UCLA and play for me? I'm like, don't <laughs> you do this every up. day? 
<laughs> Chip only speaks in sarcasm. Like that's his like only dialect. Yeah. So I think anything anything that's outside of that is a little bit uh, a little bit uncomfortable. Is he any better than Mac Brown in Friday Night Lights? Probably. Yeah. Even Saban was better in the uh, Blind Side. Yeah. His whole his whole role was just a uh, it was a, a brief cameo, and uh, he couldn't couldn't quite do it. I think the part that always bothered Saban about the Blind Side is he's in an LSU jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Coach O's in an Ole Miss one. So yeah. All right. Show doesn't really hold that well, but um, that might do it. But anyway, anyway, you could tell when Chip, <laughs> Chip on on camera, you could tell someone's like, "You have to do this." Like, this show is the single most popular show amongst high school kids in America, and yeah, right. it's like you have to do this. It'll be good for recruiting, <laughs> and you could just tell he's like, "What?" what? Yeah. <laughs> Did he have an Under Armour shirt on it? <laughs> he had a UCLA shirt, I think. Probably had an Under Armour Which- shirt. Probably had an Under Armour uh, logo on the UCLA shirt, yeah. right? He got the commitment. So. He got the commitment. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, Scott is QB of the future. That's he ain't getting many commitments in real life, so it's good he's getting them in, you know, in on the screen. He's getting it there. He had to hold off uh, on on the receiver from Beverly Hills High, or whatever it is, <laughs> main school. It's, it's big. It's big. Great show. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, UCLA loses $280 million contract. They're in a lot of trouble. I mean, and, oh, and Cal, Cal and, but this is it. Is it just this? Or, I mean, is Maryland going to get bumped? But then is it, we've always wondered, like, how long can these $100 million deals go? Mm-hmm. What is the, what happens in college athletics, business that has only known growth, if it all of a sudden flatlines, let alone retreats? I don't think anybody is ready for it. You know, and that's the thing I go back to, geez, you know, the, the pandemic seems like it's gone on for three centuries, but it's I guess it's only been a couple of months. And talking to one power five AD who's like, yeah, we we built our budget on best case scenario because that's all we've had is best case scenario. I mean, it's just, you know, they have made more and more money hand over fist year after year, year after year, year after year. And that's all they're used to. And it became bring it, rake it in and spend it. And now all of a sudden you start seeing some cracks in the foundation. What do they do? Do they, first of all, do you have enough of a reserve to get through a catastrophic year? Like a year with no football. You would like to think they would. You'd like to think there was at least that much business solvency or business sense that, okay, maybe this isn't going to go on forever. Maybe we better have 50 million in reserve just in case, but. That may not well may not happen at a lot of places, and then, gosh Almighty! I mean, the the fallout if we don't have a football season and people are losing not just ten million, fifteen million, but thirty, forty, fifty, sixty million, uh, I think could get really, really ugly. And so that's where you're looking at things like this, like shoe contracts that you are used to getting outrageous sums. And I'm, when when Under Armour signed UCLA, we were all like, "Holy moly, for that much!" You know, and maybe that's. You know, Under Armour certainly earned itself a niche within college sports. They did it. They went and got it. But maybe they've overpaid along the way to an extent that now they're trying to reel it back in. And in the process of reeling it back in, you're taking basically you're, you know, the equivalent of an addict off of their supply. And how's the addict going to respond? I don't know. We, they, we need to we need a 12 step group for all power five or or group of five athletic departments out there that are addicted to easy cash. Yeah, the Under Armour sort of rise and now the start of their or the continuation of their fall in college athletics has been a pretty intriguing study. 
Kevin Plank, who's obviously started Under Armour and created a billion dollar company. It's a great story. Uh, you know, the New Yorker profile in that length a couple of years ago, I remember, you know, it was out of the out of the back of his car and he was a walk on at Maryland and hated uh, hated the cotton shirt and invented essentially the dry fit and got Georgia Tech on board first and slept in the Notre Dame locker room the night before their stuff was going to debut. It's an unbelievable story. And their their ambition, essentially, I, I mean, they've overreached here. Now, uh, and they also went into basketball, which about five or six years ago, um, I wrote about it at Sports Illustrated, basically created another bidder in the market for these players. And it totally put the recruiting market crazy. Like Under Armour, Brought in a brought in a recruiting guy. They they sponsored a bunch of these teams. They wanted in so bad, and I don't think that cost was a huge like problem for them. Right? They were they were it was new money. It was classic new money being spent blindly. And uh, the UCLA deal, publicly anyway, is still the largest deal in all of college athletics, which is kind of crazy to do for UCLA, which is a very good athletic program, but it's not you know. It's not a top 10 athletic program. 280 million for them. The Cal one was just like, yeah, well, we're out here. We'll, we'll drop another couple, uh, another 100 million on Cal too and go. Now, we'll be curious to see how deep the financial stress is at Under Armour. Do they rescind on Notre Dame? Which that has been their big, big bell cow in all this. But more important than that, Maryland has essentially been Kevin Plank's personal playground. He played there. He has sponsored it. That was the first, you know, big basketball school that went with them, you know, and get much to Gary Williams resistance, by the way. He wanted to stay with Nike because kids want to play, you know, for Nike schools. That's 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 long been a truism no matter what. So is Under Armour going to pull out of Maryland the the new four hundred million dollar field house kind of renovation project that they built there uh, out of the old coal is, I believe, named for Under Armour. Um, and it's supposed to be state of the art and beautiful and all these things. Now we're really starting to see, OK, did Under Armour just write these off as two bad deals on West Coast schools that don't really have a lot of traction in the college sports world? Or are they going to go really to the heart of that college business? Because correct me if I'm wrong, they also have Wisconsin. They signed a deal pretty recently to um, South Carolina, Boston College. They had Texas Tech for years. Um you know, they they are and, and have been a uh, ha- have been a factor. You know, they had like seven or eight NCAA tournament schools a few years ago. They've they've really gone their tentacles in deep. It'll be interesting to see how much they now pull out. Well, I think, too, it's like if you're not playing games, are, are all these contracts at risk? I, like, I don't think Nike's going to dump uh, Michigan, but does they sit there and say, we want to claw some money back because we're selling t- we're, you know, we're here to sell T-shirts. We're here to st- we're here to get exposure for our teams and all of a sudden there's you know what if if the college football season let's say it, there's no fans in the stands or let's say it's like you know 25 percent. well do we get some money back if there's only eight games and not you know 14 do we get that percent back it what if there's not about i mean it's, it's it's all money and that's more money that would be lost that i think the schools you know you bank one of these deals of course you're gonna budget for having the money who the hell saw a pandemic coming so it's tough. And obviously, UCLA, there's not going to be any other options. No one's going to swoop in. Although I do think UCLA has some of the greatest uniforms. Oh, uh, always. It's the uh, blue gold, the all white. I mean, they they switch it yeah. up, too. I mean, it's they're terrific. Everyone gives yep. Oregon all this hype, man. But nothing's better than UCLA's. 
I agree. UCLA powder blues with the gold pants and the gold helmets is as good as it gets. And they, that. That, they're all white one, too. It's just like, yeah. Wow. It's yeah. a good they look. Got good, they good got look. good stuff, man. But again, you got great uniforms. You're in Southern California. It's a great school. It's a great area. It's great everything. Why aren't they great? I just have never understood it. Never understood yeah. it. You remember the little uh, flare-up with Josh Rosen um, when yeah. UCLA signed the deal? He kind of said, oh, but we're still amateurs, you know, to do that. <clears throat> yeah. So it's interesting to see that was, uh, you know, all of, what, 2016? So, uh, so yeah, four years ago, um, just a little over four years ago. And how that much that conversation has changed just in just in four years from uh, f- from all that. And you, you do wonder, too, now, to go a little conspiracy theory, like, is does Under Armour realize these big school contracts aren't really what is going to move product? But maybe they go they they want more individualized ones for for players, right? Is well, this I, I'm just totally spitballing here. No, this that, but, that's like, kind of my thing. Is this rock the industry and all of a sudden Nike's yeah. sitting there saying, "Well, look, Under Armour's out and Adidas is you know like we're we're not going to give we want some money back. What are you going to do about it? Right. We're going to sue you. We're yeah. going to try this. We're or the next deal that comes up. We're just not." There's less people to bid. It's uh, that that's got to scare the hell out of everyone. If Under Armour can get out of this, why can't Nike cut back on some of theirs? Sure, maybe they that's don't the, dump like, them, but yeah. If you're a school and your apparel contracts coming up within the next year, you're watching this going, "Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do?" Because the market just tanked. Well, this is way worse for Cal than UCLA. UCLA is oh, going to get sure. a deal now. Sure. It's not going to yeah. be that crazy number that that Under Armour gave them, but like. It's still UCLA. It's still a great brand. Um, they're going to have great basketball again. Chip will lead the revival. But like you want to be, you want to be associated with them. Cal, I mean, nope, nobody's dying to get associated with Cal right now. Well, and Cal has been horribly upside down financially for years now. That's the thing. They yes. are already in a position of of extreme duress from that standpoint, and this only could make it worse. All right, we want to uh, continue our state of the conference series, and. Um we're going to do the Big 12 today. And then later in the week, going to do the Big 10. And then next week, July, I guess after the July 4th holiday, we'll have the SEC one. Plan your summer accordingly. Check local listings. Uh, the Big 12 conference. We've already, we already did the Pac-12 and we did the uh, ACC. You guys did it. I didn't. I was, uh, I was on vacation. But... That was when we got record listenership. Record when you listenership. Were gone. If, yeah. if, if, I don't know if you remember well, that, Pat, but I think we need to bring that up just every I once in a while. More yeah. than willing to hang up now. <laughs> <laughs> hang up and listen. You're going yeah. Under Armour on us. You're pulling There's out. a fair way with I can go hit some golf balls. Don't worry. <laughs> I can find something to do. Uh, State of the Big Twelve. So look, the it, well, one of the interesting things about the Big Twelve is that everyone always thought it was going to get picked apart, broken up, nearly split couple times it's been uh it, it's it's it was the smallest of uh leagues you know number of teams and all that but it has held on and it's going along there's basketball and other sports but football is the main one the general health of the conference both the on the field and off Pete why don't we start with you on this one you know I, I think the the general health of the conference compared to five six years ago is uh, is is really strong it is clearly not in the same fiscal situation as the SEC and the big Ten but it is it is 
it is clearly upper middle class right now. It is clearly safe. The Bob Bowlesby's done a great job smoothing things out in that league. Texas is flailing on the field and on the court, quite frankly, has limited its ability to be chesty. Because Texas being chesty started a lot of this, uh, sort of a lot of the the, the unrest now, uh, 10 plus years ago. And so it's hard to be chesty when you're uh, – you know, when you're losing to Oklahoma State pretty much every year. Yeah. So when you're no good. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. So I, I just think like who knows what the next iteration of that stuff is going to look like. But I would say that it has been as serene a period as we've seen the past three, four years in the Big 12, um, you know, it, compared to uh, compared to the past decade. So I would think considering it is always really only going to be a two horse league, right? You really only have two dominant national brands in that league. The league has done a good job. Like, I, I don't know if you guys have been to Baylor in the past two years, but they have way better facilities in Texas. Texas tech has really built, you know, solid, solid facilities. Oklahoma state's always been very, very invested. Uh, Kansas is a lot more relevant now with less as opposed to just that they just had a decade of miserable coaching hires there. My God, what you know, what administrative negligence they had. You know, you go Charlie Weiss, Turner Gill, David Beatty. I mean, it, it was just a disaster there. So they that at least has given them some like stability, some direction, some recruiting momentum. Uh, K-State, I think, is trending up right now. They have built smarter than, uh, you know, maybe any athletic department between uh, between John Curry and, and Gene Taylor there. They've always had a great vision. So, no, just in terms of the macro in the in the league, I, I have I have good vibes about the uh, Big 12. They've been a regular playoff participant, meaning Oklahoma has been. Um, so, no, they're in they're in, they're on solid footing. I'm a little less bullish, Pete. I don't know. Okay. I mean, you, you're right that it, they have they have absolutely solidified from where they were when it looked like they may be doomed to failure. But, yeah, they're getting a team in the playoff, and that team is getting absolutely ransacked every time. And it's only Oklahoma. Oklahoma is head and shoulders above the rest of the Big 12 and head and shoulders behind the best teams in the country. So you've got the elite, you got Oklahoma, then you got a big gap towards to the rest of the Big 12, I think. When No disrespect to Iowa State and Matt Campbell, who's a hell of a coach, but when Iowa State has risen up to be – Number two, three in the league pretty regularly there. That, that means the rest of the league is not doing its job. The uh, Texas certainly most obviously is not doing its job. And the other schools in that state probably aren't either. Now, uh, Matt Rule got Baylor up off the mat, and that was important. But Matt Rule's now gone. And so is that going to be sustained there or not? TCU has had some very good years. Gary Patterson's done an unbelievable job there, but they've also been a little bit hit and miss, up and down. Uh, last year, they're one and five in bowl games, and I know bowl games aren't necessarily a great indicator, but like Baylor was not competitive against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, and that was Baylor. You know, they were supposed to be the second best team. They were not competitive in that game. They had the fewest NFL draft picks of any of the Power Five schools. Uh, they need some people to rise up and challenge Oklahoma, and that, of course, means we are talking to you, Texas. Do it on a regular basis. A couple years ago when they made the Big 12 championship game, you think, okay, here they come with Herman. And then last year, big step back. Now he's blown up everything as far as his staff and redone it, and we'll see if that gets them back forward. But they need somebody other than an Oklahoma team that's overmatched against the best of the teams to rise up and make that league more than a, a one-trick pony. Look, financially, it just can't 
compete with the Big Twelve, Big Ten, and the uh, SEC just because of population. I mean, it's just not enough people live in Kansas, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, so, Iowa. You know, Iowa. you just you don't have you got Texas, but you just don't have these other states, and it just isn't enough people. So th- that's reality, and that's always going to be reality. I think what they've done, and part of it is Texas's woes, is the you know I always argued that the best thing that could happen in the Big Twelve is that they get an automatic bid to the playoff, and the playoff right. goes to eight, which I think will happen because if with an automatic bid you basically are then able to sell Oklahoma and Texas, you're not going anywhere because your best route to the playoff is staying put, and as long as neither of those two schools think the grass is greener somewhere else then they're not going anywhere. And I would contend that uh, unless Oklahoma and Texas think the reason we're not signing enough talent or not, they don't have enough talent is because our league is holding us back, then they won't leave. And that's the the, the number one concern for, for the Big 12 is that, is the stability. Because if Oklahoma and Texas get wandering eyes, that league is done. Nobody's coming for any of the other schools. Now, right. like you guys mentioned, I think I think Kansas State does more than any other school in the country with more with less like, that, you know, and they got Chris uh, Kleiman there, the coach. I mean, they get, you know, they do a really good job considering they got nothing. I mean, if you, if we've all been to Manhattan. Everyone been there? The Little Apple? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. More times than I want to count. Yeah, I mean, it is it is out there. I remember hearing this old story of uh, it was a. Uh, it was about a football assistant coach. It was kind of a, a story they used to tell around Kansas State Athletics. And he had picked this recruit up in Kansas City Airport. And he's driving them all the way to Manhattan, which is, I think, like two, two and a half hours. Two and a half. Yeah. And there's it's nothing a to look true at. Two and a half. You can't yeah. cheat it. <laughs> for like three minutes, you get to, for, for like 37 seconds, you can see the skyline of Topeka. And I mean, that'll take your breath away, of course. But, <laughs> um, so this guy is telling the recruit, oh, eh, it's Kansas. I mean, we got this. We got this. And this kid's just not saying a word, staring out the window. has got nothing to say. And he's trying to pump it up. Hey, we've got this. We're the best at this. We're the best. He says, uh, you know, and, and finally just goes, boy, you know, we got one of the best highways. This highway is smooth. Look how smooth <laughs> this highway is. It's the smoothest highway you'll ever ride on. The guy goes, longest one, too. <laughs> he says, <laughs> <laughs> like, Let's just turn the car around and get back to yeah, MCO right. or whatever Kansas City's airport is. I love that kid. Yeah. Having driven all seven hours east to west, west to east of Kansas, when I was growing up in Colorado and going to school at Missouri, it's a long one. It's, it's so flat, too. I mean, they do get oh. hilly by Kansas State, but you can, like, stand on a soup can and see Colorado. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's long, man. See your dog run away for, like, three days. <laughs> <laughs> so it's helping helping listership in kansas yeah state. here i say something nice about them yeah the people, the people all the kansas the state fans like, are gonna rally together and take the podcast down we love this dude he's saying something nice about kansas there anyway yeah. um the biggest thing is keeping the, the the texas and oklahoma and then but as you said now if we can move on to the next step Oklahoma basically has a free ride to the playoff if they win. I mean, you know, they've got a pretty good go of it. These other schools need to step up, mainly Texas. I mean, it's got to be Texas. We talked about, I think, at the draft. I can't remember the stat, but was it like 14? The first, there was, was it 14 or 23 high school players from Texas were recruited oh, right. 
Texas high school players were drafted before one came from Texas or Texas A&M. Yeah. Now, some of those guys obviously are, are, are at the other schools, but you know, there's plenty of talent. They just have to, they have to be Texas's league, but it's, it's apparent. They, uh, the entire league signed one five-star last year beyond Robinson from Arizona, from Tucson, Arizona is going to Texas. That's it. The whole league got one, one five-star. That isn't enough. No. And Oklahoma has very good talent. Maybe Lincoln Riley uh, can. I, I think Lincoln Riley's got another gear in him. I think he can take Oklahoma a little higher, but they need Texas to be really good. Um, otherwise, you have, you know, like I said, K State's kind of maximizing. TCU's kind of mac, you know, done really well. Um, but there's just limits on how good, how good can Kansas State be? How good can Iowa State be? How good can. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I think they need Baylor it's, to be really good again. I don't think Baylor's going to be good this year. We we can get into that. No, uh, I don't know about me, this let me, year. But let yeah. me jump in, Dan. Yeah. You, you just mentioned recruiting and stars, and this offseason, I heard an interesting theory from a from a Big Twelve coach on uh, on why uh, that the Big Twelve is especially struggled recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. Right, like that's that's one place where you go. So a majority of Big Twelve schools play three down up front. Three, three defensive linemen, right? And, uh, in fact, Iowa State and Baylor have sort of popularized that kind of crazy, funky drop-eight defense that was really successful, uh, has been for both of them. Haycock did it at uh, Iowa State. Phil Snow did it at Baylor. So, according to coaches in that league, three down, like, if you are a big-time recruit and you want to play in the NFL, a three-down offensive line is not the best place to get. It is not the best way to get you there. Um, just because, again, everyone's multiple now and all this stuff. But it, it it is more conventional and kind of fits better from one to the other if you if you play a four-down. So supposedly that has scared off some of the recruits from that footprint. Anyway, that's a little inside baseball. Probably too much football for Dan to handle right now. He's going to talk, start talking about soup cans again and skylines. But I just thought it was, I had just never heard that when you try to dial into why the Big 12 has, has struggled. Now, some of it is like, a lot of those programs don't put a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of emphasis on defense, quite frankly. It's been a, a scoring league. But I just never heard that theory. Thought it was interesting. Thought I would share. I don't know why I, I needed them. to be attacked in that theory. I thought there was. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here listening intently to your point. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear you and up on then, your soup can. Can you repeat yeah. that? <laughs> it turned into an attack. And oh, an my attack. God. What did I do? <laughs> Just, I will say you uh you've been watching the wire uh um Pete I'm like Jimmy I McNulty yeah what the what the <laughs> did I do now right <laughs> Coach Kiffin you've had it coming to you yeah all right Pat what do you got here no I I will say like I think it's going to be pretty fun exciting league this year and I, I will mm-hmm. say look their their games I I had a stat in my realignment thing. Like there were by far fewer blowouts in the Big 12 than any other league. So they played close games. They played exciting games, which uh, is at least if you're a fan of the league and you're watching, it's like, okay, the, the you know, the 11 o'clock kickoff local is, hey, it's a close game. I'll watch all of it. And you'll watch the next one. You'll watch the next one because they're all going to be good games. And I'm looking at who's coming back this year. Good quarterbacks. Uh, Sam Ellinger, Brock Purdy, Charlie Brewer provided, you know, gosh, all the headshots he took last year but the running backs Chuba Hubbard Kennedy Brooks Puka Williams receivers Tylen Wallace Charleston Rambo that name alone Charleston Rambo he should catch every pass if I'm Oklahoma <laughs> yep Spencer Rattler throwing to Charleston Rambo 
Who doesn't want to watch that combination like all the time? So I think that it's going to be a very fun year and maybe maybe it ends up being you have more than one good team in this league this year. It is wide open for Oklahoma State. Wide open yeah. right now. Like it, yeah. as Gundy's been there, as we've looked at his trend lines, we certainly talked a lot about Oklahoma State on the podcast, much more so the last three weeks. And they, they've certainly earned their pod scrutiny. But just from a pure playing perspective, this is one of those times every five years or so where Oklahoma State has a chance to rise up and a legitimate chance to to, to win that league. Um, you know, obviously their uh, you know their their offensive skill. Now their quarterback is is just okay. He's more of a runner. He's not particularly accurate, but he has another he has another year. And like Gundy's teams are always going to score points. Wallace is the best screen pass, most productive screen pass catcher in all of college football, according to Pro Football Focus. Chuba led the nation in 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 rushing. Like they are a problem. They are a problem every time they they roll out there. They return a majority of their offensive line. They got a key line transfer from West Virginia. They return 11 starters on defense. They did lose a decent DB. But the the, the thought there is, is that two years ago, their, their defense was awful. They brought in Jim Knowles, and they got six points better per game on defense under, under Knowles. They went from 32.5 points a game to 26.8 points a game. If they can get down somewhere around 21 points a game, I mean, and, and learn how to contain Oklahoma, slow down Sam Ellinger, et cetera. I really think that uh, I really think they can they can they can win that league. They have the they have the perfect out of conference schedule to to do it. They are their only uh, their only power five uh, game is against Oregon State. Oregon State is clearly better than they were, but they're still uh, you know that's that that's a home game, and that's not exactly uh, that's not exactly scary. And then they go. Tulsa at home. Tulsa hasn't been very good at very good in a while. And then they're Western Illinois at home. They go to TCU. I don't think TCU is going to be great this year. And then they have the, the kind of swing teams in the league. Both Texas and, and Iowa State end up in Stillwater. Uh, they have to go to Norman, which obviously is going to be going to be difficult. I don't think Baylor is is going to be what they were because of all their losses on defense. Although I do like Brewer a lot. Uh, let's hope he stays healthy. So. Anyway, it's all there for Oklahoma State. I'm not going to stand on a t- table and going to predict they win, but but I feel pretty good about saying this is as good of a chance they have to contend for the league title as they had in the last few years. I got two words for you. Spencer Rattler. <laughs> there we go. I know he hasn't yeah. won the OU. He has not won the Oklahoma quarterback job yet, but I'm giving it to him because his name is Spencer Rattler. This is perfect. We just, Could we get got- Rattler to Rambo pod t-shirts? Yes, yeah, Rattler to Rambo. I mean, this is this guy was it never born to sleeps be a in Norman, baby. <laughs> Always sleeps in Norman. The Rattler. I think. I mean, I think Oklahoma's still a team to beat. We'll see. See what happens at Bedlam. They lost a lot on defense. You know, Kenneth Murray was a big fulcrum of of what they did. I have a lot of faith in Alex Grinch, the coordinator, but there's a lot of holes to to plug in and and, and fill there in a defense that's still amid a cultural overhaul. You're right on there, Pete. And they don't have a defensive lineman over 300 pounds. So uh, that's a red flag right there. Slim. They're slim up there. Keto yeah. diet. <laughs> it's it's because they play, they play Tennessee in the early on. So Sully's typing Sully, up. And Sully's, trying to talk. Sully's, Sully's got the full break. Yeah, don't, don't kid yourself. There. He's down on this Oklahoma situation for one reason. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's not a coincidence that Tennessee's got a pretty good offensive line coming back, too. Yeah. So Sully's so, already identified the mismatch. We there will see. Uh, but I think uh, I, Oklahoma's team to beat to me. But overall, Texas should be 
should be better. They always should be good. And then I, I, I'm with you. I think Baylor steps back, and uh, you know what? What can what can TCU and what can Kansas State do? And what can Iowa State do? But as a as a full conference, this this that middle class has to get stronger. Texas Texas has to reach Oklahoma's standard of being a national contender. And I know they're losing games in the playoff, but at least, but they're a legit team. And then the other guys have to get stronger because you can't take that big of a step back. You can't be head and shoulders to the rest. And that's what they're at right now. Uh, and then I, it, I think just the hard part for all those programs is just what's the ceiling. Cause there are ceilings uh, on, on what you can do. And well, I know one of my uh, Friday friends who listens uh, often seeks our advice on uh, over-unders. I have no idea what the over-unders are in the big 12, but Pat and Dan, if you had to pick one team, to maybe overachieve and one team you think is going to underachieve poor where they're predicted. Who would you, who would be your over under overs and unders? My, my overachiever is going to be Texas tech second year under a coach. I think the second time you go around through something, you get better. Everybody gets more comfortable and they got a lot of people coming back both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Alan Bowman quarterback was not great, but he's going to get better. He shared the position with Jet Duffy. Jet Duffy's gone. So uh, I think he's going to get better. Uh, and then uh, defensively, you got enough people back there. I, they they certainly should be not be four and eight. So you take them and you put them in a bowl game. Maybe they're seven and five. They have a three-game improvement. That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know what would be over or under. I mean, I don't know where you would rank Kansas State, but I just think – they have the coaching. I mean, oh, they won four. What do you win? Four national titles up at North Dakota State. Uh, yeah, as, oh, as Clement, a head he's, coach, he's good. Yeah. As the head he's coach, good. yeah. And, right. I mean, I, I just think when you have a, and then they go eight and five last year, beat Oklahoma, beat Iowa State, like beat TCU. You know, I don't know. I, I, mean, I just think the coaching level could be exceptionally high, and when they are high, it's they do, and they they were under Bill Snyder. Uh, Kansas State can do really well, so I don't know if that I don't know they, they're they're over under tally. If I'd done any homework, would probably be interesting to see, but I certainly can see Kansas State being a contender that that punches above its weight and wins that extra game or two that puts them right up there in in contention for the for the league title game. Do I think they're better than Oklahoma? No, but they beat Oklahoma last year, so um, we'll see what kind of. So- uh, Momentum. Sully just sent us the uh, the win totals oh. for the Big 12. And, uh, yeah, he's got Texas Tech at 5.5. I'll take the over on that. And I will take the under on Baylor at 7.5. What else we got? My... What are the others? Oh, here. We got, um, all right, Oklahoma at 9.5. Why not? I like the over on that, I think. Oh, I uh, do too. Yeah. Texas I mean... at 8.5. Oklahoma State at 8.5. I like the over there. Baylor, 7.5. Iowa State, 7.5. TCU, 6.5. And, and I kind of like the under there. TCU lost everybody from a not very good team. They've got they got issues there a little bit. Uh, Kansas State six and a half. Texas Tech five and a half. West Virginia five and a half. Kansas three and a half. Kansas I'm, State at six I'm and a half. Load up on the less miles over. By the way, like they've got really? two, two high end receivers. They got Puka Williams coming back. They've got a recruiting uh, thrust from when Les got there. They've got much better players. My whole theory on the Big Twelve, if you're looking at it from an over under perspective, is the middle class stinks. All right, I think you have three high-end teams, and then I think that middle group is is indistinguishable. So I think Kansas can go steal a few of those games. It's three and a half, too. So, I, you know, I, I'd have to look again. I looked last night at what their non-conference is. Um, I think they play... Uh, I, I got it. They play New Hampshire and Coastal Carolina. So. Yeah, and, and there's they get, two. So and you got to bank on college. them winning... Yeah. you got to bank yeah. on them winning two league games? 
Yeah. When and, was the last time they won two? And can't games? they beat Boston? I mean, Boston College visiting. <laughs> Been a long time. BC yeah. at Kansas. There's a game everyone was looking for. <laughs> I went to that game last year and yeah, wrote yeah. about it. Yeah, you walk into you walk into Lawrence, man, and that's that's a serious situation there. They might have upwards of eight thousand people there. I think uh, Kansas State's got Buffalo, North Dakota, and Vanderbilt, and they got six and a half. So you're going to tell me they can't win four league games? I, Probably I can. Probably I mean, can. Uh, they're not losing. I would those. take the under on Baylor. I agree with as much as I hate to agree with Pat because he's so bad at giving betting advice. Just the pod last <laughs> fall proved. <laughs> but I do. I just do think when you look at what Baylor has lost defensively, like Charlie Brewer's great, and they have a little bit of little bit of skill back, even though Mims is gone. But like that defense was the heart and soul of that team. And not only do you have a ton of new players, but you have a completely new system. Um, so you're going to players buy in from a system that clearly worked. They played over their talent before they lose all three of their defensive linemen who were starters last year, two of whom were drafted, uh, one of whom is league player of the year on defense. I just really think there's and you have uh, no spring practice. Right. So now Larry Fedora with Charlie Brewer, like could prove me wrong. But I uh, I just I just don't think they're gonna be able to stop anyone. Kansas State's going to start four and Buffalo, North Dakota, Vanderbilt, all at home at West Virginia, setting up a big showdown with Texas. Dan's just trying to curry favor back after he uh, after he told this highway joke. And, and, Very and, popular. Uh, the little yes. asshole. Yes. Watching your dog run away for three days was good. I like that. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, we got a people's court to settle this, uh, send this out, okay? okay? People's court. Let's hear it. All right. A, a Louisiana man, Kevin Wise, 26, Slidell, Louisiana. Uh, he was visiting his local Bass Pro Shop. Um, and... Uh, Fantastic. I love the Bass Pro Shop. Cabela's, all those places. Spend, Get spend in. days in there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even a big outdoorsy guy, but it's just looking at all the stuff. It's great. And as most Bass Pro Shops, it's got a uh, a tank, like an aquarium with fish and different things in it. And uh, Kevin Wise uh, went on the TikTok, social media TikTok. Mm-hmm. I've been hyping up for a long time here. Put out a TikTok. It said, well, I'll get to the TikTok. First, he decides he is going to jump in the tank. He's going to jump in the aquarium. (laughs) And he does. He jumps in, swims around a little bit, jumps out of the aquarium. Maybe it was hot. It's hot in Louisiana right now. (laughs) Climbs out and then makes a run for it. But then returns. Because he ret- I think they knew it was him. I mean, he was going to get caught. <laughs> it's hard to deny it when you're soaking wet. I don't know. He returned. I, this could be part of the decision you're you're going to be asked to make. Anyway, Bossier City Parish, uh, Bossier City Police, not the parish police, uh, arrest him on a uh, simple criminal damage charge, a misdemeanor, and he is um, he is going to have to incur the cost for cleaning the thirteen thousand gallon tank. And that they that the store because the store has to empty and then clean the tank. So he really screws it up. Uh, so here is the ruling. First of all, I think any of us who've ever been to an aquarium, been to a Bass Pro Shop, seen I don't care if it's the the penny fountain at the mall or or when you're at like that, you know, the the Disney World where you got those like you're standing in line with the sun beating down on you and they got like that Thunder Mountain River. Like, what if I just jump in that for a little bit? Take a quick dip. <laughs> I think we've all thought about it. At some point, what would happen if I just like that would be pretty cool to get in there. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not fair to the animals and you're going to get arrested and all that. However, his defense. Now, here's his defense. Kevin Wise. 
says he went on the TikTok. He made a TikTok <laughs> and said, I promised, he said, if I got 2,000 likes on this TikTok, I will jump in this tank. <laughs> well, the TikTok fans, the, the, the patrons of TikTok uh, liked it. He's, he said, I got way more than that. Hence, he felt compelled to return to the store <laughs> and jump in because, quote, didn't want to be a liar, end quote. <laughs> Paragon of ethics. So here it is. Do you do you go easy on on defendant wise? Because they're really he was a, he was engaging in honesty as the best policy and trying not to be a liar on TikTok. Or do you say, no, uh, drop the hammer on him. You can't be swimming in the Bass Pro Shop tank, 13,000-gallon tank, no matter how hot it is in Shreveport, where it's clearly not sleeting right now, for one. Just this week. For once. For it once, the, it's not sleeting. Takes 4th of July off from sleeting. That's right. That's it. Start, he was wearing July a 11th. coronavirus mask before jumping in, also. Maybe that oh, helps. Okay, so he's... So he had Very his mask. Very socially responsible. He did not wear the mask in the tank, which means he could have infected a fish or something. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Justice Forty, your rulings yeah. on, uh, well, on defendant wise. First of all, there's several things we need to address here. First of all, <laughs> his name is Wise. It is the, he is not aptly named. Okay, he's a moron. He's a complete idiot. What was he wearing? Did he jump in in his clothes, his shoes? I mean, did he wear everything in there? Do we know? He's, he yeah, he's got his shoes. He's got like khaki shorts, a t-shirt, and he literally okay. like doggy paddles. I mean, it's a terrible swimming form. You would be uh, outraged at the form. Yeah. Then he climbs up the fake mountain, <laughs> and that's gonna give him a life sentence for his bad swimming. He's got form, his underwear <laughs> on. I think he's got a belt. Yeah, there he goes running out. Okay, he uh, runs through the Carhartt section. <laughs> I am. I am throwing the book at him for terrible two swimming yes, form. This guy being, can't being swim a, for a lick. Being, being a bad swimmer is one part of it, and two, fouling up the fishing hole. Look, I like the fish. You don't do that to the fish. So here's here's his punishment. You go back in when they got to take everything out and clean it up, and you put him in there, and you get everybody can throw a treble hook at him on a <laughs> uh, on a lure and try to hook him. He doesn't have what to is, go to jail, but he does have to be susceptible to being foul hooked in the head or the belly or whatever. Is this <laughs> like 1752 and you're going to tar and feather yes. the guy? <laughs> no, I'm not. But we're going to go. We're going to see if we can hook us a big one. We're going to catch this dude. Well, there's no frontier ju justice in Beausier, man. That's right. Bozier. Bozier City. Bozier. Bozier City. Yep. But yes, that's right. We're going after this dude. I thought that uh, I thought that I, I had two punitive things in my people's court that I wanted to do. Certainly, you'd rather get Judge Thamel on this one than Judge Forty, the uh, swimming snob. One is he has to cancel his TikTok account. If you are addicted <laughs> to the likes, you got to get rid of them. Tell the Wetzel daughters to unfollow him on TikTok. He's out. Yeah. Okay. The second yep. thing is forget up some weird fly hook or whatever. Just make him clean the damn tank. That's <laughs> enough punishment. Pay the no. fine. Clean the tank. Get him off social media. Get him back to the real world. I like that. Like a toothbrush, too. Like, right? Don't they do that yeah. in the army? Like, yeah. Yeah. Too easy. It too is easy. quite a video, though. I mean, it is really funny. <laughs> I've walked by those tanks before and said, eh, the fish don't even care. I'm throwing a crankbait at him and I'm the catching fish him. don't even notice them. With Would the it be shoes bad to admit on, on our podcast? 
considering our constituency, that I've never been to a Bass Pro Shop. Uh, they, they, no, nobody's surprised, Pete. None of our listeners are surprised. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't fish. So it doesn't matter. really eliminate a lot of the need to go to a Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> doesn't There's matter. There's a lot Just... of crossover between the Tito's drinkers and the Bass Pro Shop though. So <laughs> they're mutually exclusive. If they had camouflage yoga mats, I would think about it. <laughs> they probably do. They got everything at Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> they probably you do. You really got to get in there and see this tons place. Of those. <laughs> they got everything. All right. That's our people's court. We'll be back later in the week. State of the Big Ten. Please uh, subscribe. Rate us nicely at five stars. Unlike the Big 12, we get a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, share us on social media. We'll uh, talk to you later this week. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcast and be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.